how many dog bakeries have you been to in the past uh, the past year? Would you say? You know, I would say it's probably a low a low number. Probably something something around zero. Okay, I got the, I got the place for you, and this is right in your neighborhood. So all, all the way over there, as 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 you love uh, to poke fun at. Yeah. So there's a oh, no, place... you're 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 way over there. I'm I'm here. You're near you're way over there. <laughs> it doesn't just meet up someplace in the middle. No, 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 it, no it, definitely the home not. is still there. That's right. Mm-hmm. Okay. So there's a, apparently a place called Le Marcel Bakery for Dogs. And I'm not really aware of how this stumbled onto my radar. Um but it's 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 a bakery uh that specializes in cakes and pastries uh for dogs, which is on its own, not the worst thing in the world. It's close to it, but but not necessarily that. Um, but what kind of set me off this weekend was uh, the Yelp page for it, which has 87 reviews, and on average it has four stars. But it features just the whiniest, like, and in, in most entitled, and just obnoxious set of people the, the the kind of people you would think would go to the internet to post either glowingly positive or uh i wish i could rate this zero star reviews of a dog bakery on the internet i i say this as a a proud citizen of san francisco for the past five plus years mm-hmm. this is exactly why people hate san francisco i think this this kind of abomination could happen anywhere it, yeah, I think I think you're definitely right, but I think people would point at something like this and say that this encapsulates what's wrong with this city. Because the thing is, like, I I can uh, totally get behind and 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 appreciate not well not appreciate, but like I can tolerate, you know, the um, the one hour lines for cruffins and and like all, all the the bakery nonsense that happens in San Francisco because I'm, I'm like things get trendy and, and cool and, and and that's neat. I'm not somebody who wants to ever like wait in line for food or like be part of the I I want this just because it's like slightly rare and, and like popular. Um and and I can even like deal with the uh, six dollar toast trend. I think it, think it's actually up to about ten dollars now. Is it is it artisanal? Oh, I would I would certainly hope so for that amount of money. Hmm. We can come back to that. Yeah, yeah. But I I I, I think uh, dog bakery kind of takes takes the dog cake for me. Yeah, it 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 does tie back into something that we discussed during our our last program, which is. I do think dogs are part of the family, and I, I'm a huge dog person. If I didn't explicitly say that in the last show, I, I, I very much am. But I think it, it starts to get a little tricky when you, when you treat a dog like a human being. Like, I, I don't know how to say this in a way that makes sense, but maybe you just get it. Like, they're, they're a part of the family, but, but don't treat them like a, like a person, you know? I, no, I totally get that. And that goes back to the whole thing of where, where we talked about, like, dogs are not your children. But no, it it makes it makes total sense. Where you can do th- special things for your dog, and like, and whenever I get a dog, like you will be, uh, it, it will be guaranteed that my dog will occasionally get a puppuccino from Starbucks. Like that, that's that's gonna happen. Is that a real thing? Yeah, it's where they just give you. It's just a little, uh, you know, like uh, 
it's like a uh, like a Dayquil measuring cup uh, sized. <laughs> I can't think of what what size you'd call this. Uh, if you just Google puppuccino, you'll find I, it. I do. I do very much appreciate that. That's your point of reference. As, as somebody who's getting older by the minute, yeah, or feels like he's aging a year every hour. <laughs> um, yeah, I, me- I measure my life in bottles of Advil and <laughs> and Dayquil. Uh huh. Um. Let me. Uh, I think I got a picture of this. Um, of, of of your Hadville and and Dayquil collection? No, of of puppuccinos. Oh, okay. No, my my Advil collection. It's it's not much of a collection. <laughs> it's just the uh, it's just the Costco bottle. No, no, I, I I I'm not a Costco member anymore. Oh, I'm not either. Actually, as somebody, no, like it, I'm just I'm not in a place in my life where I want to eat. I want a five pound bag of. Mickey Mouse chicken nuggets anymore? <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, that that there's there's a, a certain time and place for that, and we're we're not in that time and it's, place. It's Costco is either you have a family or you're in college and you're okay with eating the same damn thing every night. Yeah, that's very true. So hold on, let's 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 fold this onion back up because we're gonna we're is gonna that, go back. Is that a, is that a phrase? I made it a phrase. Uh, oh my god, this is the this is the. Wow, this is pretty darn cute. Sorry. What I sent or what you found? What you know, what you sent. Yeah, so we're going we're gonna to fold the onion back up in, in layers. So we're going back to the puppuccino. So it's, see, that's a little bit bigger than Dayquil size, right? <laughs> and what, what do they fill this with? It's just whipped cream. Oh. Yeah, so that's cool. Like it's something kind of special, kind of cool for the dog. You're not getting something that is only edible by a dog. Also, this is the fluffiest, cutest dog I've ever seen in my life. Yeah, that's that's kind of yeah, exactly. That was that was my reaction. But yeah, that that's totally fine. And and uh, my my future corgi <laughs> would would totally get one. Oh, I, I thought you weren't going to say the name on the program. Oh crap! You got to edit that out. You got to bleep that out. Really? Yeah, that gotta, that's secret. Okay. Uh, where was it going? Yeah, so like that's totally fine, but. A bakery for dogs that attracts the type of Yelp reviews that this place does. One of which uh, the the lowlights for me is somebody who uh, wrote a review from the perspective of their dissatisfied dog, of whom they continuously refer to uh, their caregivers or the family they belong to as being their parents. Is what kind of uh, just made me think of the you know maybe we don't deserve things. Maybe Trump's the candidate we we do deserve, and <laughs> you, you know what? Let's just let's pack it up. So can I can I say something in defense of this bakery, or, or or to play devil's advocate, just just for a moment, for the bakery or its customers or both? For for the bakery, I, I think I can't really speak to the the customers. the The little dog birthday cakes that they have are relatively reasonably priced and are kind of cute and could be similar to this puppuccino thing could be like a fun little one-off thing to do so i guess what i would say about the bakery is that if this is somewhere that you frequent like if, if this is where you're taking your dog every other weekend to get their treats i can't get behind that but for their first birthday or something like a, a little cake from here might be might be kind of fun Again, I, I am totally on board with anybody who wants to make a buck and is able to provide 
a quality product or the illusion of a quality product. It, does, it doesn't really matter to, to each their own. But when they're attracting people from uh, with apparently Yelp elite status who are writing reviews from the perspective of their dog named Tater Tot. <laughs> Again, quote, my name is Tater Tot for a reason. I'm pudgy and love to eat. So when I heard mommy put a plate down outside, I scurried out and saw what looked to be like crumbles of my birthday cake. I smelled it and dot, dot, dot. Nope, not touching it. <laughs> oh, wow. And this is part of a collection of Yelp reviews called Tater Tot Fur Baby Adventures. See, that that word, fur baby, that's, that, that's the key phrase right there. That, that gets out what, what, I, what, what we're trying to convey here. And, and this is the ugliest dog in the world. <laughs> um, and, and this review has uh, 33 cool, review, uh, cool ratings. So there, there's a population in the marina that thinks this 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 appraisal is is spot on. Don't see don't 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 put that don't put that on 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 this area. Well, I do because we... again the highlight from this review, mommy is allergic to the marina, but since it was my birthday, she made the much dreaded trip to Le Marcel Bakery for dogs. Well, see, I don't I don't I don't I don't appreciate that. That's that's a that's an un unprovoked comment against the marina. Then then take this up with Sherry Lynn N of San Francisco, <laughs> California, Yelp Elite Status 2016. So you you said earlier you thought that this dog bakery could happen anywhere, and eh, that's maybe maybe not. I, I think San Francisco really does bring out that that type of of business. But what I would say is that it, it could happen anywhere within San Francisco. So it ju it just so happens to be in the fine northern part of the city yeah i mean but again the uh the marina uh, again they, they've as long as i've got a blue barn they're they're all they're all good by me you know well i, th I think i think if you go way back in the archives we've talked about blue barn before and i, th I think we've had this exact disagreement are you ordering the wrong thing no 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 no. i i very much enjoy blue barn it, it's excellent food it's a fun little storefront here uh the one here in san francisco but i just 12 dollar salads man i just it's tough it's it's one of, it's one of those things where even even if you can indulge every once in a while you just you just never feel good about spending that much money on a salad everything in the bay area is 12 dollars well, and also like no if if like the the winter salad is 13 dollars and it's delicious and it's huge it it's two servings you have you yeah, have, but you can't. But the problem is, you can't really save salad. You can you can save it for uh, like an afternoon snack. Like you can go for a nice brunch or a lunch, and then you've got a snack before dinner. Uh, well, yeah, maybe. Or or no, or ideally, you just you get yourself a nice sandwich. You get yourself a clubber, maybe a, maybe a small little side of fries, and you get a salad to split, and you have a fantastic meal for two. <laughs> yeah, for, for like forty six dollars. No, it's like thirty. <laughs> <sighs> no, I, I, I'm not. I'm not going to argue. Blue, Blue Barn is delicious. It's just, it's, it's pricey. Well, but it, again, and the weight. So is, it, it, so it, is it's always, always a big weight. It is. You gotta, you gotta, you gotta pick your spots. And again, like, like I told you, like, uh, go take the lady out, and there's one in Corte Madera, and then go top off the day with uh, three twins, and then go drive up to Corbell or something. It just, like, just make, make Did a weekend I, of it. You know what? You know, I, I haven't told you this. Just while we're full inside baseball in San Francisco. Um, you know what? They're opening uh, real close by here, uh, like a ve very close. I won't. I won't say exactly how far, but a very close walk to the apartment here. Mm -hmm. Smitten. 
it's, da- it's dangerous. All right, here's the thing. I'm mostly over Smitten. Yeah, so it's so is the the lady friend's not she's not not a huge fan. Good. Because here's the thing. You want oh, if you think Blue Barn is overpriced. <laughs> well, yeah. Because here's the, what what Smitten is is a nice place to take the girl you met on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, what? No, I'm saying this is like the Smitten is the ultimate like first or second date novelty choice for oh here's something we can do that's that's overpriced is 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 fine but you're you're going there because it's it's like the benihana of ice cream i don't really know what you're getting at with that like you're going there for the show sort of because they have i i forget what they call because they used to have yeah, there's, we, there's a there's a name for it We've been going for a while, and I forget what they had originally called the machine. Like it's, they have like their double helix design, and and like the lady who the lady who runs it is really cool. But like it, they've not they haven't franchised, but they have like six uh, six locations now. It's costly. Whenever we go, they're always out of whatever flavor they actually advertise, and it's and it's depending on the day, like super crowded, and it's always people on their first and second date. Hmm. Yeah, I, I I could see that. So I mean, can't you just go to like like if you're in the city, like go to Byrite or or like Humphrey Slocum, like any any like if you want gimmicky ice cream, there there it, it's everywhere. Yeah, that's true. I the thing I guess that I I like with them is that the flavors are really unique. And like for me, when I when I'm going out for ice cream, I don't want to just get vanilla or cookies and cream. Like I want something that I can't get in the the grocery store but the thing is their flavors they're not necessarily that unique because like i guess we've been following them for a while because like we've we've enjoyed it for uh, for a long time and the flavors are recycled every month and generally whenever we've gone it's they're out of stock on whatever actually was unique unless it's like some weird like gross blood orange cardamom cacao (laughs) nib you know exactly what i'm talking about no i very much do these are all probably real things on the menu right now. I when I so the I went maybe a month ago whenever I sent you that that picture and that's that's the one and only time I've I've, I've ever been actually. And I got I think it was brown sugar lemonade. Or no, brown sugar lemon snap, ginger snap or something. It was pretty good. Ridiculous flavor, but it, it was pretty good. And again, and that's that's what Smitten is. It's it's pretty good, but uh, going back to your blue barn point, uh, not not a good value. And again, depending on the line and and the the, the client bases, is, is very there's 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 a theme. You know what the guy told us? I'm not making this up. The guy who rang us up, he he your asked barista. whether the the barista. That's right. Exactly. Uh huh. He said that. Well, he, he was asking us, do you want the ice cream in a, a cup or a cone? Ooh, and, the gazelle cones. Right. Well, so he, you know, we were, we were kind of, uh, waff, you know, uh, waffling on, on what, what, what we wanted to do. Is that a pun? I, I, halfway out, I realized it was going to be a pun, and I just, I just went with it, yeah. Um, and we were kind of leaning towards a cup, and he said, well, you know, the, the cones are so good. In fact, sometimes people come in who are lactose intolerant, who, who can't have the ice cream, and they just, they just order a thing of cones. And I really couldn't tell if he was kidding or not. He said it 
somewhat earnestly. So I'm I'm thinking that he may not have been. You sold it. Um. Yeah, that's weird. Yeah, I know. Not making that up. That ha- that happened. That was a real thing. It's San, it's San Francisco, man. Yeah, it's a great great place to be. It's a melting pot. It, well, the, no, there actually is not a melting pot in San Francisco. You gotta go. You gotta go down. You gotta go down to uh, to Milbury for that. <laughs> to the end of the Bart line. That's that's not quite the. It's not quite the end. I guess it's actually the 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 melting Isn't pot. It? I think is in. Well, Milbury is the end of the Bart line, so I think the the melting pot actually is in Burlingame. Should we? I think we'll we'll just let's just spend the rest of the show talking about San Francisco. What do you think? <laughs> this will be the most boring. <laughs> Oh, it's it's it, when you get too local, people tune out. Is that a, is that a Yogi Berra quote? <laughs> no, that's uh, that's an everything quote. Huh? No. Oh, you mean uh, nobody goes there anymore? It's too crowded. It's too crowded. Yeah. Yeah. He, and he was talking about the Samsung Experience store inside of Best Buy's. Hmm. See, I brought it back to technology. You did. Nice job. Okay. So, um, have, have we actually, have we started the show? Is this, are we? No, we, t- we talked we, about dog bakeries for 20 is this, minutes. Is this, is this thing on? God, this dog is cute. I know, I know. Those ears. Yeah. Um. A puppuccino. Okay, so can you, can you get that from any Starbucks? Is that? Yeah. I, so I, I, I won't go to a Starbucks and say I want a puppuccino and they'll. I want them to look at you like you're fucking nuts. Although don't bring the dog inside the Starbucks, please. The dog that you go with two people, one person stays outside with the dog, the other goes in and gets the puppuccino. Sure, except we won't talk about it. But this, have you have you seen the whole fake service dog trend? We're yeah, not getting into it. We're not getting into. We're it. not going to get into it. Unfortunately, I've seen it. Yeah, I, I've I've seen it up closer than I would prefer, and it's I don't. I'm not. A, I'm not a fan. Really, really frustrating. It, it is extremely frustrating. Because it, it's scummy in so many ways, but also, yeah. Let me, uh, one, one last thing. Send you a link. Um, yeah, the only problem with, uh, I was going to say, you said bring two people, but uh, the alternative is tying your dog up outside, but then this happens. Well, yeah, it's, I was very careful to point out that you should not just leave the dog outside. Uh, okay. So eventually we'll talk about technology, but not, not yet. Okay. I got two bits of uh, minor follow-up. Uh, first, we were talking about the giant race uh, a week or two ago. Yes. It costs 70 to $110. Oh, that's, that's very affordable um, comparatively. Compared to what? Compared to most races like that, it's it's a it's for a good cause. It's for Project Open Hand, or at least it was the couple of years that I did it. Eh, I I I saw nothing stating that this is any 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 has any charitable component. Of oh, it. it it very much is. Yeah, in fact, there one of the years that I did it, I actually went to the Giants' next home game, which was the day or two later. And they they did a little ceremony before the game where they presented a you know one of those big checks, <laughs> the novelty check. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. To to Project Open Hand with all the uh, proceeds that they had um, generated. Okay, that that makes. All and, right. and that's the way that every run I've ever been a part of. It's always been that way. So it it is very pricey, but 
it's going to a good cause. All right, then in that case, I'm I'm probably registering for the 10K. Do it, yeah. The half marathon seems lofty to go before, um, like three months from now. Well, so I, I'm not I, sure I, I'm ready. For tell that. you what, you know, think, thinking ahead a little bit, but maybe you you do the 10K this year, and then you, you you aim next year to maybe do the half. Yeah, it's a fun event. I I do I do highly recommend it. Ooh, they have a VIP race day lounge. You might have to pay extra for that. Yeah, no, that, that's that's uh, for the people that can afford the the ten dollar toast. Well, you, you, well, yeah, you don't you don't need the VIP lounge because what they do is you know you you finish on the field and then they've got the big uh, Safeway sponsored snack table where you can go and they've got bagels and fruit and things like that. <laughs> and yeah, just eat eat a whole bunch of carbs after you. That's yeah, the you, only health thing you're gonna do for that month. Th- that's right. No, that is that is actually a a really nice feeling after you you do an, a a nice big run is you just feel like you can come home and just just eat anything you want to like I I think that the most satisfying meal there is is after running a a you know a 10k or a half marathon or whatever whatever you're doing you go out for a nice brunch after because you de- you deserve it. So I I wish after every run I do there was a dude with a with a pretzel cart at the end. That's right. I'd be all for that. Mm-hmm. He could charge whatever he wanted. He probably could, yeah. yeah. All right, and then last bit of uh, minor follow-up. Do you see Eddie Q going, uh, doing the full Steve Ballmer <laughs> at, <laughs> at, the, uh, end of, at the end of Game 7? That's a good phrase for it. I like that. It's the full Ballmer, yeah. yeah uh-huh. not, not developers, developers Ballmer, but, you know... Going nets uh, on the Clippers' sidelines. Well, so it, I'll tell you, it's it courtside bomber. <laughs> that's right. What's funny about that is, so th- this was the the leading headline on SFGate.com the the day after the Warriors finished off the Thunder, and I I saw the headline before I saw the photo, and I, I you know the headline was pretty funny. It was you'll never believe or guess who guess who the this person in this photo is or or something like that. And then, yeah, I looked looked down at the picture, and I instantly knew who it was. Although, what, did you recognize him from his sandals? Well, so I was going to say that that's actually the part of the picture that I didn't notice. That and it was it was your immediate response was that he was wearing sandals, which John Gruber also pointed out that fact, and it is it's it's incredibly disturbing. I am super attuned or or sensitive to people wearing sandals in inappropriate places, which is every place that's not the beach. Mm, we disagree there, but we I think we would agree that if you were sitting courtside at a basketball game, that is not an appropriate place. Your point of agreement is probably closer to mine than it is Eddie Q's. I would say that probably about most things, yeah. Extravagant cuffs. Uh-huh. Yeah, def- certainly short shirt preferences. Yeah, people can go back to episode 43 for uh, some context there. Mm-hmm. That's one of my favorite show titles. I don't know if it's that exact episode number, but well, whatever episode number it is where we reference his wardrobe, it's pretty good. Oh, episode 37? I have no idea. I'm just making these all up. Hopefully people pause and go go back. They can, well, they can check out the, the fancy new Squarespace site. Yeah. And then to wrap this up, Guess who else was at the game? Who's that? Bernie. 
Uh oh, yes. Yes. He likes he likes a good comeback. What can you say? You know the Golden State Warriors were down three games to one in what many experts said was a mathematical impossibility for them to win. Now they're on the verge of a major comeback in California. No, it wasn't. That's not how it works. That's not how games work. That's not how math works. So I don't I don't want to get I don't want to get too deep on the politics here, but can I just say one one thing? That's been driving me. Re- I mean, lots of things have been driving me crazy this election. Is this, I, is this I, vaguely related to basketball, or is this pure Bernie? It's it's mostly Bernie. Okay. Um, I really, really, really don't like how the media focuses on focuses on who wins states in these Democratic primaries because they're all proportional. So whether someone, I mean, whether the you know the race finishes fifty one forty nine or forty nine. 51 the delegates are split the delegates are split so it like matter right so i i just and we're we're doing it again here and in the the california primary coming up next week and i i just don't i just don't understand it why 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 does who wins the state matter because the media is keeping bernie down man again we're we're, we're gonna move on because it's not a political podcast but i i i no, moving on. Yep. Technology. Uh-huh. It's the future. That's right. It the, might already be here. The next the next big thing is here. Mm-hmm. 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 Well, can I, um, to, to ease us, to, so actually, I, th- I think this is a nice little segue, actually, to segue us from, for whatever reason, just talking about San Francisco for whatever, however long it's been, 20 minutes, into technology. I, I went and visited briefly the, the new flagship Apple store here in San Francisco. Sure. Um, so I, the thing that I'll say about the store is that, so the photo that I, that I took of it and then I sent to you, I thought that was the front of the store. It turns out that's the back of the store. <laughs> um, like literally, literally the, the, the very back of the store, which you, you can, you can also enter through, which is, which was throwing me off. But that, that was, that was not the entrance, the main entrance. Could you not tell from the camera bump on the back? <laughs> Sorry. That's nice. I'll be, I'll be quiet now. Very nice. So I literally, I walked up to it after I sent you that photo, and there was a door there, but I wasn't really sure if I, if I was allowed to go in that way. So then I walked back out and then walked around, and then when you get to the other side, it's like, oh, it's very clear. Oh, this, this is the front entrance. Um, it's, a, it's a very odd store. It, it's, so it's, it's two levels. The first level, or the kind of the lower level, which is more in the kind of that main entrance area, it looks like a kind of like a regular Apple store, a very nice regular Apple store. But, you know, for the most part, very similar to any other store I've ever been inside of. But then, you, then you go upstairs to the second level, which is where I thought the, the front was, but it's actually kind of the back. And I, I don't know how to describe this area it's it's like a like a lounge i guess there's there 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 are a handful of accessories like those beats headphones that i sent you a photo of those were up there and then they had a couple of other small things but outside of that it was kind of just a big open space so i, I don't i don't know it's very very odd so which level is the the uh, milk crate room 
Like, which is the one where where it's supposed to have like the big theater and the like ad hoc seating? So that's yeah. So that's that's the upstairs lounge area, which is sort of partitioned into. It's not really two halves. It's kind of like two thirds and then a third. And the, so the area that's kind of two thirds of the space. That's the area that you're referring to, and it's got a a very large wall that's got a projector showing some not not a movie but just some kind of stock film on it and then it's got the the little milk crate seats and then it's also got some tables that people were just sort of sitting at with their computers and i think that was the area that if you had a genius bar appointment that that's where you would meet the genius like that's that's sort of what it looked like but so wait so the genius grove is first or second level second level okay so were there the big trees yeah, so that's that's on the 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 other side of the the big wall. So the the kind of the third, the other third of the upper space was these trees that are inside, but they're also like chairs. Yeah, I I don't know. It it I it's there was a quote. I think they talked about this on Upgrade, right? Where I think it was Angela Arnst had a quote that was something like they want to make the store. Like they want people to say, "Oh, let's go to Apple," like let's go to the Apple Store as like a, a place just to just to meet up or just to be. And that's very much what that second level feels like. Because in some ways, if you were just to walk into that, like if you really weren't to see the, from the outside, it very much looks like an Apple Store. So if you, if you didn't really see the outside, and if you just walked in, you wouldn't know that upper level was an Apple Store. Like you would, and I don't know if you'd really have any good guess as to what it is. So, do you think that's cool? Like, do you think that's 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 a neat thing, or do you think that's counter, not counterintuitive, but like counter to the store's goal? Or do you think it fits with this new, the new direction Apple's going in? I don't. I don't. I don't think it's counter to anything. Like, I don't. I don't think it hurts the store at all. I guess I should ask, do you think the store overall is successful in kind of embracing new Apple or or what you think like the future of like a retail store should be? Yeah. I mean, I, I, I do like that it's very differentiated. I like I like that it's unique. And it's I mean, it, it's it's gorgeous. I mean, it's it's a ton of natural light ton of open space like that, that is one thing with like my local Apple store down the street here and then. You know, good old Mission Viejo Apple Store and the the shops of Mission Viejo. You know, these kind of mall Apple stores they they're 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 tight. You know, they did they haven't scaled with Apple's customer base. Definitely not. I mean, the the one like I said, the one down the street here is. is oh, I mean, you you go there anytime past six o'clock on a, a weekday, or really just anytime on Saturday and Sunday, and man, good good luck. Um, Whereas this Apple Store felt it was it was very open and very bright, um, but I mean I don't know like it did seem to me that in on that second level it really was just a lot of people sitting around like uh, there were you know the tables in that that bigger upstairs area that a lot of people were just kind of just sitting down and there there were people sitting at every one of the the tree chair things and so. I don't like I don't know what to make of that. Like I don't I'm not really sure I'm not really sure what Apple 
you're not you're not sold on Apple Store as social destination. No, and I, I guess I guess this isn't really the the first example of something like this. They they brought this up on Upgrade as well, which I thought was a good overview of kind of what's been going on with the Apple stores, which is the you know the Fifth Avenue store in New York, the the Cube that everybody's kind of familiar with, um, is tw- open twenty four hours, which is very to me very odd. I'm just not. That's that's a. It's just like I, I guess. I would I would put it in the same discussion as this this new store here in San Francisco in the sense that I'm not really sure what Apple gets out of having this kind of loungy sort of area, and then I don't really know what Apple gets out of having a store open 24 hours. Well, let me ask: Do you think? the Grand Central Station Apple Store is appropriate? Oh, um because that's another one that is maybe it's it's in its location for the novelty of it rather than it being functional or practical. Like do you th- do you think that fits? Well, I mean as someone who's just visited it, um I I don't I don't really know how practical it necessarily is. I guess I could see a situation where if you're on your way home from work and you just needed to pick up something real quick and you were someone who, you know, traveled through the Grand Central Station, now that could be convenient. I mean, it's, it's a gorgeous store, but, um, it, and yeah, it, it, I guess it, it, it definitely does feel like a novelty. Well, cool. So yeah, I, I don't know, kind of a, a weird store. I would, I would recommend checking it out because I, I feel like I, I'm not, quite able to articulate what i what i think of it even even internally i just i just yeah i don't i don't know i don't know what to make of it yeah i'll have to find an excuse to get down there uh what was it i was say one last thing on that oh yeah the the front doors do you think they they fit a couple apple cars they were disappointingly they were closed when i was there but they could open up and and accommodate a couple apple cars perhaps yeah it was it was slightly slightly windy, the the day that I went in. So they they were ah that closed. makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, forty minutes in. Do you want to start on the rest of this? Start 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 the show. Yeah. No. I I I'm recording. Are you? Uh, maybe. I don't know. I never know if this thing's actually on. Yeah. Is it even plugged in? Let's. You want to kind of start blowing through these in the order we've got them here? Well, no, we don't. We don't. We don't have an order. We have no plan. Okay. None of this has a plan. All right. Let's. Uh, there. This has been a big, uh, big week of rumors. Uh, uh, WWC, yeah. WWDC is is sneaky. Is is fast approaching and kind of snuck up on us. Um. So there's some rumors that we should talk about as as kind of speculation for what's happening at WWDC, but uh, one of the big ones that kind of just bubbled up to the top in the past couple of days is that Apple is, uh, was allegedly to have been preparing a new version of their external display. Like they haven't had a new one in, in like five years and uh, they haven't ever had one that kind of matched the retina displays they were putting on their uh, laptops and the 5k iMac. They always kept, uh, kept around this like 1920 by 1200 weird. You can see all, you can see every pixel. Uh, and it's they still charge a thousand dollars for it, and that stayed around for five years. But everybody seems to have thought that this is going to be the year that that gets replaced. So what happened? 
Well, so people started noticing that the existing cinema display was running low in stock and was just out of stock at a lot of different Apple store locations, which which in the past has been a, an indicator that a product is about to be upgraded or, or replaced, especially when the timing of that corresponds with WWDC. So people started seeing that for the cinema display. And I don't know if it was first 9 to 5 Mac or if they picked up on something somebody else said, but there was a story that started floating around about how Apple was working on a replacement for the cinema display and that in order to make it more compatible with a wider variety of devices, that the display itself would have a GPU built in so that if you had a a laptop that didn't have a powerful enough discrete graphics chip to power a 5K display, that the display could intelligently then switch over to the GPU built into the monitor to then to then drive the display. But it was it was always it was it, it was kind of a fishy rumor for a couple of reasons. One is it's too close to the event to have not leaked already. Because you I mean you you know my theory with Apple now. I mean these events are very, very predictable. Not in the sense that we know every little feature or how each individual new feature is going to work exactly, or even the exact design of something. But in broad strokes, we know what's going to be announced months ahead of time. And it's been obvious that there's going to be no new hardware at WWDC this year because it hasn't leaked out yet. And we're, you know, a week and a half away from the keynote. So we're not, I mean, we're not going to see any new hardware because we, we haven't heard about it yet. Um, so it, the, the timing was not quite right. And then the other thing about it that doesn't make sense to me is so that they've got this concept of having the separate um, separate GPU, but they never really pin down exactly how existing laptops would connect to it. Like would it would the existing Thunderbolt 2 connection be sufficient? So would it be some type of software upgrade through OS 10? That was the part that didn't quite make sense. And then, you know, some people suggested, well, maybe, you know, we have to wait for Thunderbolt 3. But then if that were the case, then, you know, having a separate GPU in the display to make it compatible with, you know, a broader or a wider variety of laptops kind of goes out the window because now it's still only new laptops that work with it. So and it was kind of a, a weird rumor. I was hoping it was true as someone who's very much unhappy with their current display setup, but um, just one of those things that's that's too good to be true, as you would say. Yeah, this it, it's it's just weird that uh, products go from being completely unconfirmed rumors to being like thought of as complete fact to being rumored to be for a rumored thing to be rumored to be delayed. Does that make sense? <laughs> I do I do enjoy the idea that a product which has never been announced is delayed. I, I do like that. <laughs> like do you remember back in the day when when Munster was was still on the TV thing? I just, and he just kept, kept getting delayed. He kept saying he kept getting like pushed back a year or a quarter. It never existed. Or 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 to the point where it never existed in a product that was more than like I'm sure Apple has currently has like a hundred things they're they're developing whether any of them will see the light of day or are even meaningfully close to release is probably super low 
but yeah, like this, the the Apple rumor cycle and 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 kind of like news subculture is is weird. Even though the company's gotten more mainstream, it's just it's weird. Yeah, un, and an unannounced delay is um, a, a phenomenon that it seems like could only occur on a on an Apple rumor site. Yeah, uh, just knock out something else that we we were planning on talking about. Do you want to talk about uh, Mark Gurman uh, leaving Nine to Five Mac? Yeah, um, I guess not. Not really a surprise, given that. I don't know, it was it was sort of weird with nine to five Mac where it always felt like it was German and then just kind of everyone else. Like, did you ever get that sense on their site? Well, I think it's kind of that way, sort of within Gadget, where they used to have kind of like the a couple of scoops or like like the marquee stuff would come from one person, and the rest of it was just like articles just written around the exclusives. Yeah, maybe. I guess it just it really really stood out to me on nine to five Mac that that's how. They were set up and it was cool that it for him because like i know he started doing that when he was very very young and i and i see him on tv on cnbc and bloomberg all the time but how he was able to sell himself like on his own name like you would never see somebody say that oh nine to five mac is reporting people would always say like mark german has the scoop or something right so that was cool that's that's kind of what i mean like yeah i mean he really did he kind of stood out uh, uh, even above the site itself that was just his like publishing platform, but it was, it was more of this is this is Mark saying something, right? So you know, I, so he's going to it, it's confirmed he's going to Bloomberg, right? Is that the? I don't know. I just heard that it was going to be like a, a major news publication, like not like him creating his own site. This just uh, Jason Snell had a post edit on um, Six Colors here. That's uh, Six Colors with a U dot UK. And that's that's right, yeah, and it, it is, yeah. This just came out yesterday. It's it's Bloomberg. Um. So he'll be so that the and it's a a recode article that Jason Snell is is linking to, and the the quote that he pulls is that at Bloomberg Mark will widen and this is this is a from within that article it's it's a quote from Bloomberg editor Brad Stone uh, at Bloomberg Mark will widen his coverage area to include consumer electronics and other services not only created by Apple but also Google Facebook Amazon and other top tech players. So I don't, that's, you know, that's, that's kind of the, the interesting thing now is as he broadens his coverage, you know, is he going to be able to get the types of scoops that he's had just focusing on Apple? That seems like a, a tall order, but. I think he would just cause that, that's the most valuable company and that's where most of the the excitement is. Well, but presumably he has built his contacts at Apple for. Years and years and years. So I, I don't see wh- why that would go away. No, but I but if, if he's going to expand into companies like Google, Facebook, and Amazon, I, I don't think he's going to be able to necessarily create the same types of contacts overnight. Sure. Yeah, I'm not sure he's going to have the same... His, his level of success will be immediately applicable there. Well, and I guess, you know, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say that I'm a religious reader of, of 9 to 5 Mac or ne- and I don't necessarily know every little thing about German, but I, I guess what I associate him with is are really are just the big news scoops. Like, I, I don't recall reading some type of like commentary piece from him or anything. So it's, it seems like he sort of is driven by the, the, the kind of the, the scoops. And so if he, 
he's going to try to broaden his scope and he's then he doesn't necessarily have the the same type of contacts with these other companies and I, I don't know exactly what that means if he is going to get more into commentary or what sure so going back to rumor things what uh, what's uh, i've kept kind of i've kind of stayed uh 10 feet away from this what what are the big uh os10 ios10 rumors that are circling for in advance of wwdc well so i mean we we touched on the first point which is i i think a, really a, a complete lack of hardware I, I mean it really does sound like we're we're not getting anything no not even ref, simple refreshes on existing product lines so really no no new hardware and it, it sounds like ios 10 and OS 10, whatever it's going to be, 10.12 or Mac OS. It, it kind of just incremental upgrades across the board. There, there was stories floating around about a possible Siri SDK in iOS so that third-party apps can start to utilize Siri. Uh, standalone HomeKit app is another thing that's been floating around out there. But really nothing, nothing super groundbreaking um but i do think that you know to apple's credit as much as they are like a sieve with the hardware leaks they are pretty tight-lipped about software stuff so there is the possibility there'll be some stuff that hasn't really been rumored that'll come out but from what we do know so far it it, it does seem like we're really just going to see kind of incremental incremental upgrades so you don't think that they're going to take advantage of kind of the the name or just like the what goes along with something being version ten, as as being like a a playground or some some big opportunity to rethink a lot of things. It's weird because for the last couple of years, I I really have looked at twenty sixteen and said, well, this is going to be a huge year. This is going to be, oh, iOS ten, like this is going to be the the big thing. But more and more, it's starting to sound like the software is going to be fairly incremental. And now, with these rumors coming out about the next iPhone, iPhone 7 or whatever they end up calling it, being actually really, really, you know, very, very similar to the 6 and 6S in terms of design, it kind of seems like this actually might be one of the least exciting iPhone years we've had in a while. Well, so, so let's talk about that. So it, it's it's rumored again this is all rumors that the iphone's going to move kind of that we've been on this like tiktok uh 5 5s 6 6s uh upgrade cycle where you see a big difference in in hardware design and then an incremental uh incremental uh spec bump and and improvement of hardware whereas it's rumored that uh apple's going to move to a three-year refresh cycle so is that meant to suggest that the iPhone 7, as people have thought of it, is going to be the iPhone 6SS, or is that going to be like the iPhone 7 comes out and then there are two minor revisions after that? Basically, are we going to get a redesigned phone this year? Is, is that the thought, or is it probably not? It's just going to be a spec bump. It seems like there's, you know, it seems like there's, a, there's enough corroboration across the rumor spectrum that we're not going to see a major redesign. And again, you know, you look back the last three or four years, it's it's this time of year, if not a little bit earlier, where 
we start to get a good idea of what the hardware is going to be. And so far, everything's been pointing to a design which is really, really similar to the 6 and 6S. So that, that, that does seem like what we're going to get. But I, I do subscribe to the theory that Gruber's been floating out there, which is it doesn't seem like they're going to call this the iPhone 7. Like It feels like in addition to maybe going on a more like three-year type refresh cycle, we may also get introduced to some type of new naming convention. Because it feels like if they get away from the TikTok cycle, then their their current naming convention is not going to work. Because it, it really wouldn't make any sense to have this year's phone be the iPhone 7. And then for next year's phone, that the 2017 phone, which people have already started rumoring about, I think because of kind of how boring this year's phone sounds. And next year's phone apparently is supposed to be the real, the real big one with the, uh, potentially like the edge-to-edge glass and, and all this kind of stuff. It wouldn't make sense for that then just to be the 7S, right? So it, it feels like if that's the direction they're going to go, if, if this phone's going to be kind of an incremental upgrade and then the next one's going to be the big one, then they're going to have to change up the naming convention too. Do you have any ideas of what it's going to be? <sighs> I mean, it's it's tough because it's not like there's really any other consistent naming convention you can point to within Apple. Like if, if a couple of their other product lines had some type of other standard naming convention you could look at, then... Like they just used SE. So they can't do that. Yeah, but it also, it, it doesn't feel... It doesn't really feel like they would put themselves in a situation where they're going to have to come up with a unique name each year. Like that would be... That would be kind of weird. Well, that's what they tried with, like, they thought they could get away with that with the, remember the all new iPad or whatever it's called? Like I- iPad Gen 3. Oh, but I, but I mean, literally, like, if, if they, like, they started, like, trying to come up with, like, a, I don't know, like, a, I'm trying to think of, like, what the analogy would be. Like a, like a Nintendo Wii, you're like, you know, coming with, like, kind of that kind of name for each new iPhone. <laughs> like, they wouldn't do that. iPhone Revolution. Yeah, I mean exactly. Like I, but I I don't I don't know what the alternative is. Or you if you just if you literally just start maybe just calling it iPhone. But again, they tried that, and and people and like they they backed off from just calling it iPad or the new iPad very very quickly. Yeah, I I, I don't know. I I I don't. I think. I think the number system's going to go away, but yeah, I really don't know what the clear alternative is. Yeah. Uh, to knock out a couple other uh, other things, uh, do, you any, do you put any credence in the ability you might have to unlock your Mac with your iPhone in the upcoming, in cup, upcoming version of iOS? Or, sorry, OS X? Yeah, I mean, possibly. Um, it... it it seems like I I would much rather have some type of touch ID mechanism built into the laptop itself. Like exactly. it, it seems a little, it doesn't seem particularly convenient to be able to lock, unlock your laptop with your phone. Well, and, and my counterpoint in terms of reliability would be how reliably does personal hotspot work on your, on, on your iPhone it compa- uh, coupled with your MacBook Pro? Am I? Are we now going to rely on that in that same 
fiddly Bluetooth connection to being able to unlock the computer? It seems like a, I don't know, it, 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 I guess the, the other example of this is with the watch, where that's, that's exactly how it works on the watch, where you can set it to where when you first put it on, you can either enter your passcode or you can unlock your iPhone, and then that'll unlock the watch as well. And that, but I wouldn't that works want pretty that. well. But I wouldn't want that. On your, on I your have, laptop? Like, just because I have my iPhone uh, unlocked and I'm, let's say, within 10 feet of my laptop, that doesn't necessarily mean I want that unlocked. That means I could just be in, like, the next office over or something. That's hmm. less than ideal, I think. Yeah. Because the, the, the watch thing is different because the watch is on your person. Whereas the laptop could be nearby, but could be not in a situation where you want that completely unlocked. It's tricky. Yeah, I, I don't I would have to see how that would work, but I, I guess I, I don't see that necessarily being a whole lot more convenient than just entering your password. Certainly. But I, I would I would love for there to be some type of touch ID just built into the Mac. I don't I don't know exactly what that would look like and I, I don't I don't think the answer is like the existing um you know, fingerprint scanners in uh, laptops, but... No, I think, and I think uh, Darth actually posited this, whereas the the Apple logo in the front of the iMac just happens to be a fingerprint scanner. Yeah, could be. Yeah, smart guy. Yeah. I also, to round out the, the MacBook Pro rumors, I, I find the, the rumors about there being a, like an OLED touch panel above like the keyboard which would replace the traditional uh function keys that's nonsense to be uh, I'm, I'm using this phrase a few times on this show but it, it's appropriate I, I find that to be incredibly disturbing as someone who owns a lenovo with a similar ill-fated idea where i i don't have tactile function keys instead i have this just incredibly awful I think mine is um, e-ink. Um, <laughs> you have half a Kindle at the top of your computer. I, I, I'm pretty sure it's e-ink. I meant to look this up before the show, but I, I mean, it looks it looks like e-ink. It looks like a Kindle. Oh, I'm looking. Hold on. Let me let me send you a picture. Is is this what you're talking about? No, 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 no. So my so I I, I literally do not have function keys on my laptop. It, so uh, right above the the numbers on the on the uh, the keyboard is a strip that I can toggle between different presets, or I could also through this software application that comes on the the laptop, I could program it such that when I open certain applications, the that r- kind of row of fake buttons becomes something that's more useful for whatever application I'm in. But the, I mean, the, the problem with the Lenovo that I have is that the buttons are incredibly unresponsive. That you ha- you have to tap on each one of them like four times for them to work, and it just it I mean it just it's just it's just a crummy crummy experience. So yeah, it's not, it sounds like using the trackpad on any PC laptop. Well, the the trackpad on my Lenovo is terrible too. But we, well, no, that that that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Where it, where it's it's just for some reason just so awful. Even though it, like it on paper might be good, it totally isn't. 
I mean, I, I, I would assume that Apple would be a lot more thoughtful with it and, and create something. I mean, they, they've got a, a good enough track record now with touch displays that I, I would assume that they would nail the technical part of it. It just seems like they'd be reinventing the wrong thing, though. Like, that solves such a minor subset of problems. Maybe, but I like when I first got that Lenovo at work and I saw the the the, the function display thing that it's got. Like I it conceptually, I went, "Oh yeah, that that's actually that's potentially kind of cool." But in in practice, on that Lenovo, it's not. But I, I guess I, I'd be willing to I'd be willing to see what it looks like. But it I, I don't know. It strikes me as being a very kind of unApple like thing. But but yeah, we'll we'll see. Oh, that's what it is. Did you did you find a find a picture of it? I think so. Yeah, that's that is exactly it. And then there's a uh. there's a there's a button on the far left which is just outside the frame of the photo that you shared with me that you press that and it it toggles through various options. And you know, like this this picture you're showing here actually is a good example of where the biggest problem is that many key functions like volume and screen brightness, the only place to access that stuff on the keyboard is through this screen thing. There, there are no other physical buttons for that stuff. But the thing, as somebody who doesn't look at the keyboard, that seems like that would just be incredibly maddening. Yeah. Because you can't just kind of like feel your way over to the key you want. You have to actually look at it. Exactly, yeah. Well, especially considering that you know you, you, you got to press it like four times. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt, but is is this what your keyboard looks like? Hold on. Yeah, I mean that the the picture you're showing here is my no, but the one I'm sending right here. Yeah, that's 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 my computer. Yeah. Is the end key like? Is there no caps lock? What oh, the hell is that? So, oh, so yeah. So another wonderful feature of the Lenovo that I have is that yeah, there's no there's no caps lock. So what you do to uh, have caps lock is you quickly double tap the shift key and you, you can see if you look on the the upper right corner of the shift key there's that little dot that's a light and so when you when you double tap the shift key that little light comes on and that indicates that you're in caps lock it's it's wonderful and it's something that it's something that you would never accidentally enable or anything so as somebody who uh, by default whenever i get a new computer i will make it so that the caps lock key does nothing still having the home and end keys in that place seems like the dumbest thing you could ever do oh yeah so they, yeah that's right so that's the other thing so instead of the caps lock key yeah there's a half home and half end key in its place i mean who the, is the, this the, for so the thing is so with me the the reason why i haven't just th thrown this computer out the window and then it's asked, not your choice i asked it for another one is well it's just because i have my my laptop hooked up to an external monitor and keyboard, you know, 95% of the day. So I, I very rarely spend any um, extended period of time just using the, you know, the, the keyboard on the, on the laptop. But I mean, if, if I did, if I, if I was someone who was traveling a lot, there is absolutely a 0% chance that I would put up with this computer. So going back to the picture I most recently sent, what are so i see that there's a I, i'm assuming the key on the very right of the top does what control x does i couldn't i couldn't even tell you 
But what the hell do the two keys to the left of it do? Those are the, I think those are the, the keys that you can use to access the software, which controls what that e-ink thing does. Well, isn't that what the one on the very left would do? No. So that's, that's, <laughs> that's what toggles, but so you can have different presets. <laughs> so you can, so you can have where, so like the one that you're looking at there, that's the default one. And, and when you, when you look further to the right, there's like the Wi-Fi on and off switch and a couple of other things. But then if you tap that little function button, you can go to your other presets. Like one of them would be like a media player preset where you've got play, pause, back, forward, etc. So that, that's how you do that. And then those can be customized, which I think when you press one of those two icons, you, you can quickly access that software. Yeah, it's it's a mess. So when when these rumors started coming out, I just I started getting real nervous. So that keyboard makes me think, or makes this look like a good idea. Do you remember this computer? I vaguely. This is this is this got some like weird second screen on it or something. I think back in like 2010, Lenovo. I don't remember this if, if this is back when it was still. Actually, no, this would be under Lenovo, not back when it was made by IBM. But it was a 17-inch laptop that had a built-in Wacom digitizer like <laughs> tablet inside the touchpad. And it had this funky uh, side second screen that ejected from the back of the monitor. Remember when you owned a 17-inch laptop? Yeah, it, I, w I wasn't smart. That thing, that. That, that thing was so, like, you don't still have it, no. do you? God no. That I'm, thing that thing would I mean I'd I'd be curious just to hold one of those today. I mean that, that thing's got to be what like 8 pounds. No, no, it, it was an Apple laptop. It my um my 17-inch uh Intel Core 2 Duo MacBook Pro. Or no, it's a Core Duo. It was it was the first gen Intel laptop. Uh it was 6.4 no, oh no, it's heavier than that. Probably like 6.8 pounds. Yeah. I was not I was not smart. I I was I was I was a troublesome you you swore by it for a long time i was an idiot yeah well it did they didn't even use the extra space for having a like a, a a 10 key no they didn't that's right the keyboard was just kind of oddly small no they just, they just had speakers on the left and right yeah, side yeah again I, i'm a sensible i'm a sensible person now you had it for quite a while uh, i think i just had it for two years you didn't have it all four years of college Oh, God, no. Oh. No, I switched to a 15-inch MacBook Pro. Because I remember getting really upset when they took away the Express Card slot, and I couldn't <laughs> use my, my 3G data card anymore. God, that's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um, guys, hour and 12 minutes. Okay. Uh, switch back over. All right. Well, speaking of monitors, Dell has a 43-inch computer monitor. That and I and I say that laughingly because I think it's actually really neat. Yeah. So this, I did. We didn't put this in the Slack, right? Like we both. Just I did. Yeah. Oh, you did. Okay. I, I think I had also independently seen it because yeah, I I saw it and my first thought, like I saw the headline, forty three inch monitor, and I went, oh, okay, yeah, great, Dell. Then I started reading about it, and it was like, this is like this, awesome. is, this is a, I would actually love to have this. This is great. So you, it's only thirteen hundred dollars. I know. Yeah. So it's it's so it's a 43 inch display, and the cool thing is that you can have four input sources connected to it, 
and you can have them each take up a fourth of the screen, kind of in this quad box format. And then you can very quickly make any of the four quadrants full screen. And then you can kind of toggle back and forth between those. That sounds really freaking cool. It does. And I guess like what I didn't read into, but I, I don't see why you couldn't, would be, can you just have one of those inputs be like your TV and then the other be your computer? And I don't know. I assume you can. I, I said I didn't look to see like what the input choices were well it says it says from full hd to ultra hd 4k any array from one to four so you definitely have one thing gigantic i guess i didn't i guess what i'm saying is i don't know like does it have like hdmi inputs does it have well but hdmi and displayport are the same thing right in in terms of like they can be adapted like the signal is the same so i don't see why it couldn't yeah but i'm just saying if it only so does it only have displayport I'd assume so. Isn't that all people use? Yeah, but then you, I'm thinking if you hook up like a TV, you can, can you get like an HDMI to DisplayPort converter for your TiVo or something. I mean, I guess you could. Uh, it says, uh, let's see. Uh, DisplayPort to, uh, DisplayPort to DisplayPort, mini HDMI to DisplayPort, or sorry, mini DisplayPort to DisplayPort and regular HDMI. So it does. No, it does. Wow. 53 pounds, damn. <laughs> Jesus, why is it so heavy? Well, it's 43 inches. Oh, okay. Yeah. Thinking, of it, thinking of it as as like a television, maybe I guess that puts it into more uh, perspective. So yeah, I mean, that, that's, that sounds really freaking cool. It does. Like I'm kind of, I kind of think like, why, why, would, why would you not? Is it not, would it not be a good TV? Probably not. Yeah. All right, that's that's neat. I wish I had the spare money. That'd be a cool like that's that's not impulse buy territory, but that's it's pretty dang cool. So you know what I just I just realized. So the the photo that is part of this Verge article. What Verge article? I'm just looking at the Dell product page. So the the one that you put. Um, copy the, the link over. The one that you put in the. Uh, here, yeah, I'll copy. You put you put this in the Slack here. Let's put put this. It the the. the <laughs> It the proportions are wrong on this photo because it just it's it's just sitting on a desk and someone's sitting very close to it, which is which is not what a forty three inch screen would look like sitting up sure, that close. It, yes, and also it's it's connected to a KVM switch that's using VGA, which obviously could not drive a screen like that. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah that that that's either the like perspective wise that's either the world's biggest keyboard or or that's badly photoshopped. I think it's just a it's a bad Photoshop job. But so yeah, so this Verge article actually. So here, yeah, so it, it clarifies it a bit here. So can show content from four separate inputs simultaneously in full HD. So it's four 1080p segments. It's 4K. So it's got four USB ports, two HDMI, one Display Port, one Mini Display Port, and one. Well, it does have one VGA. So there you go. This KVM switch could work. <laughs> you can see all the pixels. You can zoom. You can zoom in at any single display to take advantage of that 4K display. Huh. It's pretty cool. Yeah, it really, it really is. It's still weird that Dell, as much as they try to like get into other businesses, like in in my book, they're most known for just having sensible, awesome monitors. 
and they make mediocre computers. So my monitor at work just got surprisingly replaced. Like it, it literally just happened overnight one night. They just went through and upgraded a bunch of our monitors on, on all of our desks. And they upgraded me to this, um, this Dell monitor. And it is, I mean, it is just gorgeous. Like it, Which one is it, it? runs, I, I should, I'll, I'll get the model number for you. It, it runs at some ungodly high resolution. And it's, it's, is it 25 inches? I don't know. It's it's at least twenty four. Maybe it's the one that I ill advisedly put. I don't know, but it's because I, it was because it ran at twenty five sixty by sixteen hundred. Although it was only twenty five inches, which meant everything was really small. Yeah, so mine mine doesn't run at quite that high of a resolution. I think it's like something by fourteen forty. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's man, it, it it's it's real nice. It's a real real good, real good looking display. And it's got, you know, it's got the real super thin bezel and stuff on it. It's, it's pretty nice. All right. So let's let's give you something to talk about or, or, or a big, uh, something you're excited about. You got a new face computer. <laughs> I did. Yeah, I got, I got the, 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 the Facebook face computer. Yeah. Um, yeah, so my, my Oculus Rift, after months and months and months of uh, waiting, it has, has finally arrived. Uh, I, so I should, I should preface this whole conversation by saying that I, I just got it. I brought it home on Tuesday and didn't have the chance to start playing with it until yesterday. So I'll have more thoughts on it, I think over the, the coming weeks. So today is primarily just sort of unboxing and initial impressions. So the, the, the packaging is incredible. For for a company that's really never done a, a consumer hardware product before, really top notch packaging. So it makes a nice first impression. And then that's where things get kind of interesting, but not in an unexpected way. So I, I fully went in into this knowing that it was probably going to be some lengthy process to get this thing set up. Because if you you think about it, right? I mean, this thing's got. A USB and an HDMI cable running out from it. It's got a head tracker that's also got to be connected via USB. It's got a remote control and it's got an Xbox One controller. So you got to kind of go into this thing knowing that it's going to be a bit of a process to set up. So I went into it with that mentality and it made it okay. But I mean, it truly was like an hour process to get this thing all connected. And then once you're done getting it all connected, it's an absolute cable nightmare. But anyway. Um, but to their credit, the setup process is made, I think, as streamlined as it possibly could be. There's, there's a series of steps, which you follow just, you know, looking at your monitor to get everything all hooked up. And then, you know, you get to the point where, and this is the screenshot that I sent you yesterday or this morning, which is, you know, Hey, all right, time to put this thing on and continue the setup in VR. And so that's exactly what you do. You put the headset on and then the the setup continues right there. And it, you know, does some calibration stuff and and once you once you kind of get through that stuff, it actually just runs through a couple of demos, which I think is really smart. So even before you get to like the main home screen for the first time, you run through like it's like four or five different demos that are all actually really really cool. And it it, it definitely does create a, a pretty awesome first kind of impression um, and then you know you get you get dropped right into the the home screen which is kind of this weird like living room type setup where there's a 
display in front of you and you, you look around and it's, it's kind of like you're in a futuristic living room and that's where you access the store and settings and, and all that good stuff. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I, I guess that that's the, that's kind of the, the, the setup piece of it. Pretty, pretty well done. I mean, it's, it's involved, but it kind of has to be involved, I guess. Um, it comes with a couple of games, so after going through those demos, I, I downloaded and installed, uh, it's called E-Valkyrie, which is the, the space combat game that it comes with, and messed around with that a little bit. Um, it's a pretty simple game, there's not, there's not really a lot to it, so that the game itself isn't really anything to, to talk too much about, but um, I think it, 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 you know, showed me what the headset's capable of, and it's kind of what it's, I think limitations are which um you know i think the thing the thing that jumped at at me right off the bat was the displays are are just okay um i think we we do really get spoiled with our super high res monitors and retina displays on the phones and everything because so the, these screens are 1080p each it's two 1080p screens um and they they just they just look okay it's not it's not anything that's going to blow your mind it certainly isn't like you know like it is looking at a retina display on your phone so that was a little disappointing that the display quality isn't isn't spectacular and the other thing which you know i think this this part i'll probably uh get better with over time um, which is it, it's really, really sensitive getting it calibrated correctly for your particular just kind of head and your particular vision. There's like, there's, a, there's like a slider that you use to calibrate it, and then you also kind of move it vertically on your face to get kind of the right uh, area. And I haven't quite found that sweet spot, or if I find it, I kind of lose it. It's, it's almost like if, you have, if you've ever used a Nintendo 3DS, the... the, the 3D effect on that was sort of that way where you had a very very kind of narrow sweet spot that you would have to find. So a little a little finicky in that regard, but um but yeah, I mean I th I think, you know, in 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 summary, good setup. Um although the one thing that I I didn't mention was the setup has you stand up when you do the calibration of the head tracker. But then, you know, of course, when you're actually playing a game, you want to sit down. So you kind of have to then, like, kind of undo what the setup has you do and just recalibrate it sitting down. So I don't know who would just s literally stand up the entire time they're playing a game. Um, so, yeah, I, I, we'll, we'll, we'll see how it goes. Um, but I, I would say overall kind of a, a mixed first impression, but but definitely interested to spend a lot more time with it so two two small questions because i know you haven't had a lot of time with it and I, I didn't i'm not sure if you already addressed this how heavy is it or what's what's the comfort it's it's so it's really comfortable really really comfortable it's the headset itself so it's funny because the box it came in is incredibly heavy so when i i had it shipped to the office and then brought it home with me the other day and i was like jesus it's like 40 like, i saw it on the the track the ups tracking information too it's like 14 pounds or something so i was like god <laughs> how's this gonna work but the the headset itself is really light and it's it's really comfortable and the 
the adjustments to kind of shape fit it to your head are also pretty pretty easy to use. And then the second probably harder to answer question is why uh I can I can I can understand or I can imagine why you bought it, but I guess do you think you're going to have a lot of as much fun with it as you think or is this mainly because it's new and novel and it's something that you're interested in experimenting with the technology it, it's totally the latter it's a it's a hundred percent the latter like i it in general i'm very just bullish on the idea of vr and so being involved with it at this early stage is really interesting to me um and, and i do i do think that yeah, I spent, you know, maybe 30 minutes with that eValkyrie game, just going kind of through like the the tutorial and a couple of the basic first levels. And like it it's I mean it's really, really darn cool. Like it it really does make the idea of just staring at a static monitor or TV look really, really outdated. Like when you're sitting in the cockpit in this game and you're literally looking around and like you look up and there's there's the kind of the glass of the cockpit and you look down and there's all the controls and you look to your left and there's all this stuff like it even with kind of the only mediocre displays and kind of the tricky to get to focus lenses and all that kind of stuff like even in this very early stage like the the concept is really really cool so that that's exciting. Like as as the tech gets better and as the software gets more interesting, like I I really do think that some type of VR or augmented reality is once it gets to the once it gets to a a, a more affordable, more robust place, like it really is going to make our existing displays look ancient. And this one's way out of left field, but there've been rumors that you th- that are Tim Cook on a conference call had said that yes, he thinks VR is interesting or something. Do you think this is ever anything Apple would really put much effort in? Or do you think it's so far, far away and gonna be a niche product for a very long time? No, I I think I don't I don't think it's gonna be that long. I I I think we're I don't think I think we're you've got to be like just a handful of years away from this stuff being a lot more accessible. Going back to our uh, self driving car discussion from uh, like a month or two ago, you think self driving cars first or VR first? In terms of being very widespread and accepted. Hmm. That's a that's a that's a really good question. I mean, probably I, I guess I, if I had to choose one, I'd I'd probably choose the VR stuff just because the the car stuff is is probably going to get so bogged down with regulation, whereas VR doesn't really have to deal with that. And to to go downscale a little bit, uh, the New York Times sent you a Google Cardboard. Yeah, so I was I was out of town, uh, for for last week, and then I came back in town and had a box in my mailbox and thought, hmm, don't know what this is. And it was from the New York Times. thought it was going to be like some like pen and pad set or something. I don't know. And it was a Google Cardboard because they have a new VR app that they're, they're trying to kind of get out there. And so they, they, they sent me this, this Google Cardboard thing so I could test out this VR app which was funny because it was like a couple days before I, I went back in the office and then picked up my, 
Oculus, so it's kind of like a little VR preview. And it's, it's pretty it's pretty cool. I don't know. Um, <clears throat> it's a super easy to set up. You literally just put your phone inside this piece of cardboard and fire up the app and away you go. And it's, you know, it's 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 I mean it's actually it's it's kind of it's kind of funny because I was I was kind of disappointed with the the quality of the display, but I was like, well, yeah, it's of course it's not really going to be that great because it's just my phone in a in a cardboard box. But then I with the Oculus, I'm like, oh well, I guess all this VR stuff is kind of not quite there with the display technology. But um, but yeah, I mean, it's neat for what it is. I mean, it's it, and the the New York Times VR app is actually kind of cool. Like I I watched this. This this a story about New Horizon, which was that satellite that did the flyby with Pluto a few months or I guess six months back now, or almost a year ago now, and uh, yeah, it was just kind of neat. Cool. All right, um, let's uh, let's uh, well, let's wind this down a little bit, uh, and we'll probably end on this. So Bill Simmons has a couple you know, something that just launched, and he's got a show that's coming out. Yeah. Um so the the Ringer, which is the website, kind of the next next version of Grantland, although I guess a little bit different than Grantland, that launched a couple days ago. And then his HBO show is also starting at there's a week week from next Wednesday, something like that, sometime mid around mid June. Sounds right. And so I guess it it's provided a little bit of clarity too as to what what the whole setup is with with him. So he's he's got a media company, I think which I think is just Bill Simmons Media Group or something like that. And then he as part of that media group, he's got his podcasts, he's got The Ringer, and he's got a show on HBO. So HBO sort of is like a partner or like potentially an investor with with that group or at least maybe with like the show i don't know it's it's all it's all kind of ambiguous but it's it's kind of it's kind of neat yeah it is there is is it clear on how they're going to differentiate it compared to what grantland started as and then kind of expanded to be or is it going to be basically the same thing just in a different spot well i think the things that have stood out and the things that they've they've already sort of talked about is a little bit less sports um a little and a little bit more just kind of other stuff i mean the the, the biggest thing that stands out right off the bat is is tech you know grantland didn't do tech so that that's a that's a new thing um but i i think i think it'll be very similar and you you can you can tell just by looking at it although it's really not the prettiest website currently. Well, it's and and that's one of the other interesting things is that this is uh, they are they chose to make their new website as a publication on Medium, and Medium is the Ev Williams uh, blogging and publishing platform. So that constrains and severely limits what it can look like. But I thought that was one of the really interesting choices that they made that for this new like landmark venture that they'd be willing to give up that level of of freedom to like to to work on this publishing platform yeah i mean it is a somewhat generic looking site 
which as you say like it kind of has to be but overall i mean i think that that means that the content has to stand out on its own and i and i also like that, that means it's a very uncluttered and and simple type of website like it's not going to be a a new york times or an espn.com that has 50 billion different things going on so i i'm i'm hopeful yeah uh are the podcasts any good they're they're fantastic yeah ab- absolutely fantastic any of them that i would like because i listen to maybe one out of every five uh bill simmons podcasts because sometimes they're just i don't know who cousin uh who cousin sal is and most of them are about football i mean i think that's that's probably as someone who doesn't follow sports that's kind of where you're gonna where you're gonna land mm-hmm. um but the television show should be mu- a much more broader appeal sounds it sounds thing. like it yeah it sounds like it although i love the little preview for it i thought that was really good agreed all right let's uh this is, this is going long so let's say do you want to round it out with picks of the week yeah let's do it all right me or you first uh you first please so my pick of the week is going to be uh a calendar okay yeah that's my choice Oh, yeah, so not not a specific calendar, but literally just a calendar. The concept of a calendar. Hmm. So you, you uh, astute listeners may remember from maybe three months ago, we had talked a lot uh, where I evangelized OmniFocus and that kind of thing. Uh, but one thing, I, I've been getting busier recently, and I've, I, I very much love OmniFocus, and that's not changing at all. But for, for a lot of things that I normally, I thought were maybe uh, more appropriate to be tasks, in OmniFocus, I have gone in the other direction and have put those as like calendar events, and I think that's working out slightly better for me. I I'm getting I have a much more complicated calendar now, which I don't necessarily like, but I think that's better than getting like a to do list fatigue and that kind of stuff where I I just uh, keep moving things around inside my to do list. And I think this is this not the approach that you take, or is that is that different? Uh, no, I, I I would say that I'm similar. Yeah, I I used to treat the calendar like it was kind of like just an untouchable, um, like this is only for things where it involves another person or something where I absolutely have to be in a place. Whereas I'm loosening that up slightly, like I'm not just blocking off hours at a time of things I have to do. But for things that maybe have a due date at the end of the day, um, or I'm responsible for doing something for somebody else, that's creeping into the calendar, which which so far, based on uh, two weeks of trying it, I'm striking a good balance. And OmniFocus's feature where under forecast, it will show you all of your calendar events color-coded the exact same way they are inside the calendar app, uh, works very well for me. Yeah, I haven't, I haven't you've mentioned that before, and I, I haven't quite gotten into that as much because i find i find that i find the layout of the calendar in that screen to just be i don't know just not a little i don't know a little weird i really really like the horizontal view i don't know i, just, I, I think that like it. from a nine to five view it it makes sense for me hmm. yeah yeah teach their own yeah all right it's calendars What's your pick? So mine is the 
so dro it's it's dropbox.com so the the web view into your dropbox all right so the the specific context of this pick is we the lady friend and i took some photos when we were on our our vacation last week and we were going to meet with some of her family afterwards when we got back and kind of wanted to quickly grab some of the pictures and, and, and put them together we I have, I have my waterproof camera that I brought with us. And then we also went on a zip lining thing and they took some pictures and put them on a CD. Um, so we wanted to grab those too. So yeah, I, I quickly got the pictures off the CD and the SD card and just, you know, threw them into Dropbox. Like we literally, it was kind of just like we were heading out the door. Like I just wanted to put these up online somewhere and kind of figure out how to access them later. So just threw them in the Dropbox and then you know when we we met up with the family, loaded up uh, one of the laptops, and and went to drop, just Dropbox.com, and I I fully expected the interface to view these photos to just be awful, <laughs> and we were gonna have to like download each one individually or something crazy, and it was just gonna not be a great experience, but whatever, we could see them. But sure enough, like built right into Dropbox, it it has this functionality where if it, it you open a folder that's just got a bunch of photos in it. It just goes into this kind of like photo viewer mode. And it's awesome. It's great. Like there's no setup involved, nothing you have to do. You just literally open the folder where these photos are and then it, you basically have like a little slideshow. And I, so I was, I was really impressed. I can't tell you the last time I accessed anything in my Dropbox through the website, but um, yeah, it was pretty, pretty darn great. Yeah, I'd actually done this recently too and and my favorite part of that is that if somebody shares like if i take a bunch of photos and throw them in a folder and i just create a public link for that and send it to somebody uh the cool thing is that you get a choice of downloading every single file as a zip file which is great rather than having to download 20 different things individually and save them you can download it as a zip or you can just save that folder to your own dropbox which is super neat huh and then also on the Dropbox website, if you ever do uh, create public links, uh, I think that's actually the only way you can actually see what is still active in public. So on the left side, you can click on links and see everything that's currently uh, quasi-public because you created a link for it. Got it. Yeah. Have you um, used file requests? No. That seems like a really neat feature that I've never had the, the need to use. What is that? That's like if you want to say to somebody that like they're going to send you a video file or something that's like a gigabyte or something big, they can just save it directly into your Dropbox folder without having to go to some like weird like you send it.com or something like having to find some kind of file sharing service. Hmm. So that's cool. All right. Close this out with uh, paper cuts. I got nothing. So you're welcome to share yours. You got what? Well, this is your segment. What do you mean you got nothing? I'm ha I'm I'm having a good week. I got I got nothing to complain about. Well, so, I, so I, I've got one. So uh, after doing some recent traveling here, um, I very very much dislike the randomness that's become uh, in-flight entertainment. So what I mean by this is on on certain airlines the particular type of in-flight entertainment that's offered varies dramatically just from aircraft to aircraft so it's just it's just a function of what plane you happen to get so on this most recent trip that i took on the way down we had 
um, an Airbus A320, and on the way back we had a you know 737. And it, it it so happened that on the flight down we had kind of the the new in-flight entertainment package where it was like kind of the bring your own device thing, and you just stream movies and stuff to your device, totally free and everything. And on the way back with the 737, it was one of these planes that has like a direct TV integration built into it. So it didn't have that bring your own device setup and instead just had direct TV, which you had to pay for. So there was basically like no free entertainment. And it just seems really odd that your, 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 your in-flight entertainment experience is basically just dictated by luck of the draw with what plane you get. That doesn't seem, that doesn't seem right. So I, I don't, I don't like that. Do you rely on in-flight entertainment? Would you not, you strike me as the kind of person that would have something in mind that you already want to watch or so listen to. So I totally am. Yes, I'm I'm a thousand percent that person. But what I really don't like is spending all the time to load up movies, get my iPad all ready to go, and then get on a flight that's got an awesome in-flight entertainment system that's got a bunch of other stuff that I would just rather watch. Or it literally has some of the stuff that I paid for on iTunes for free. I mean, I've had that happen multiple times and it's kind of frustrating. It seems like that opens you up to a lot of points of failure in just in in a general sizable chance of disappointment. Well, so I mean, what I need to do is I just need to get better about because to the to their credit, most airlines are pretty good about telling you what plane you're going to get and what you know what's going to be available on that flight. So I just need to get a better do a better job of paying attention to that. I guess. But I, I guess I just wish I didn't have to think about that. Okay. And I guess you know this is only this is only a case only the case rather on certain airlines some airlines which just have you know a single type of plane across their entire fleet not an issue like virgin america is much more consistent right yeah virgin america is that way southwest is that way uh, JetBlue is that way where they all just have one type of plane gotcha and and i do have a i, I i've managed to find one so mine is 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 gboard <laughs> yeah that's that's a it's a pretty good one and in this this goes to say how much i actually i do enjoy uh the keyboard but it, it's it's horribly unreliable in in a lot of key ways are you still using it i am yeah i'm still using it on my ipad and iphone exclusively only keyboard for me there's uh, it's fine in it like it, it's very good in 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 many many ways but the the, the problem is that when I'm a big user of the spotlight search for apps and it works maybe one out of every five times with that. And that's absolutely killing me. And then the second thing about it is that it's very slow to switch between emoji and the regular keyboard. And since I follow the rule that it's absolutely imperative that you have a period after emoji, uh, that's, it's killing my flow. Yeah, and I, I do find the emoji search to also be kind of inconsistent. Yeah, so I hope it get, I hope it gets updated, and this wasn't just kind of like a one time like oh, this is a fun Google project. Uh, I, I hope it gets better. I think it will. It's it's very good, but it it yeah, there's definitely some some show stopping bugs. I it, it's very much a version one one product, and I th I think it will get better. 
like all things in life. That's right.